Well, good morning. There are a lot more of you now than there were when I first got here. I thought y'all were boycotting me this morning. Um, it'll take me just a minute to get situated up here. and uh, But I want to share with you this morning, I'm delighted to be back and uh, to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. And um, I know many of you... Uh, don't know me very well, but actually I served on staff here uh, from the very beginning until last year I retired. And uh, people say to me, have you enjoyed uh, your retirement? And I laugh because I feel like I'm not retired, but I've shifted into fourth gear. <laughs> because, see, the call of God on my life is to the body of Christ, not just one local church, but to the community and to the body of Christ uh, nationwide and worldwide. And so um, before we actually started Victory Fellowship Church, I had already had two women's conferences done in Destin, Florida. And uh, God was moving throughout uh, many states and many denominations to bring women together. And so along with um, establishing the church alongside Larry, I've always been a community Christian out there doing things in the community and ministering to groups and speaking at conferences. And uh, that was always governed by, first, my commitment to you all. Uh, But now that I'm retired, uh, the Lord seems to have uh, made that um, a little bit more accelerated in my life. And so uh, I'm really excited about that. I love teaching the Word of God. And since a child, I've always felt like God said, go and make disciples. And so um, my passion in my heart has been to make disciples. So it's really, I uh, said, what has Anne been doing? And so for those of you who thought I was just watching movies and sitting around all day in my pajamas, that's not what's been going on. But uh, I have enjoyed a little bit of that. Um, but I've been uh, making disciples and raising up and teaching and training the body of Christ. And so they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And um, I just want to go ahead and... I don't think this is on. That's what happens when you're not here for a while. Okay, great, great. I just want to go ahead and give you a few pictures. This is one thing, one event that happened uh, in May. I met for the first time with a group of men who feel called into the body of Christ to minister. And so we had a weekend. Larry and I spent a weekend of intensive uh, training with the body of Christ. Uh, and that was in May out at Lake Seminole. Uh, in June, I put together a ministry team, and we went to South Africa. Uh, you'll notice that these folks are in caps and gowns, and a door that opened for me in February of this year was to teach and to train ministers to preach in South Africa. And so part of the ministry team that went over in June Uh, There were seven of us. We had a great time. We ministered in the church. But part of the reason, one of the main reasons we went was to ordain 11 new ministers in the kingdom of God in South Africa. And uh, so this is a picture of their graduation and their anointing. And that's the group outside the church. And you can see Pastor Thomas in the middle. He is so happy because he had the main church and six satellite churches. And now he has help. And um, I just got a picture last night on email where they were out having an evangelical outreach at one of the satellite churches this weekend. And they were laying hands on people and praying for them and raising up the kingdom of God in South Africa. And uh, so that's a pretty amazing thing. Thank you for those of you who uh, helped send me 
and who sponsored a student because it takes time and money to train students and and to get to South Africa. So that's one of the things I've been doing. Uh, Just last weekend, I was with a group of ladies, a names group in July um, in Pine Mountain, Georgia, and we had 16 ladies together. We studied the Word of God and began to equip them for ministry that God is calling them to in the kingdom of God. So uh, that's what Anne's been doing. (laughs) And so um, I'm here this morning to share with you, and what a privilege it is to be back and to share. I just get so excited every Sunday morning when I wake up and it's time to go to church, and I get to see what God's doing here at VFC. You will always have my heart. No matter where I am or what I'm doing, you will always have my heart because I love this church and I love... I love the things that uh, God has put together here at this church. You're a light to the community, and you are a strong, you have a strong anointing here that carries on. So I'm, um, Pastor Jamie asked me if I would speak this morning on Christian ease, and this is part seven. It's called Divine Appointment. Now, uh, he has defined for us Christian ease, and he has defined for us Christian ease, is the insider language of the Christian faith. We use words and phrases that mean certain things to us, but don't make sense to people outside our faith. So have you ever found yourself saying words and phrases that didn't make a lot of sense in publics? Uh, And people look at you like, what are they talking about? What in the world is she saying or he saying? And so one of those phrases that we use is we talk sometimes about divine appointments. Uh, A divine appointment is an apparently coincidental encounter or event that has actually been caused by God for some specific purpose. This purpose may be obvious during the encounter or the purpose may become apparent only sometime later. So how many of you will say to me, I've had a divine appointment before? Of course, you've had a divine appointment. Sometimes we call them God coincidences or we say them uh, God wink or uh, just different things. We call it a God happening. And so we give it different words. We call it sometimes a check in our spirit. And so we use those words to define a God appointment that we have. And so I want to share with you this morning a couple from the scripture And then also a little bit of a word of caution about divine appointments. And then because of time's sake, I'm just going to tell you the story that we have here in John 4, 1 through 42. Uh, This is the story of the woman at the well. Most of you have heard the story before, but Jesus had been ministering and he had been traveling. And so um, he was tired. It was noonday. And he had sent his disciples to go get food. And he had left Judea. He was on his way to Galilee. And so he sat down by Jacob's well, and he began to rest and began to wait on the disciples to go get food for him. Well, there's a woman that came that day, and she came in the heat of the day at noontime because she was the kind of woman that didn't feel comfortable fellowshipping with the other women in the community. She was a woman who had made some mistakes, just like all the rest of us. And she was a woman who just felt embarrassed with her life and what she had been doing. And so she came in the heat of the day, and of course Jesus was there. And he was resting, and he asked her to give him a drink of water. And she was surprised 
And she said, how come you ask me, you being a Jew, will ask me, a Samaritan, to give you a drink of water? And he said, because you don't know that the water that I really have, if you were to give, ask me for water, is water that will change your life and change everything about you forever and ever and ever. And so she began to have this conversation with him, and this was a divine appointment for her. Because in that conversation, after she got through being religious and asking and saying, I perceive that you're a prophet, she began to really understand that Jesus had the power to change her life forever. So Jesus said to her, "Um, you want to go call your husband? And she said, I don't have a husband. And um, how many of you know that was partial truth? And partial truth is what? A lie. (laughs) And she said, I don't have a husband. And so Jesus said to her, you speak truly, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. So she said, uh, through the word of knowledge that Jesus had on her, I perceive that you're a prophet. So she began to uh, listen to him, and she began to realize that this was the Savior that had been promised, and that the Savior and his love and his compassion um, reached out to her even though she was a Samaritan, someone usually spurned by the Jews, even though she was a woman who had made mistakes, and that his love and compassion had reached out to her. So I do want to share with you a scripture, if you're following along with me in chapter 4, verse 39. We'll read 39 through 42 to see what happens, because... This is the crux of what happens at a divine appointment. 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me. Oops, that's chapter 5. Sorry. Verse 39, chapter 4. And many of the Samaritans of them uh, believed in him because of the word that the woman testified. And he he told me all that I'd ever done. And then the Samaritans had come to him, and they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days, and many more believed because of his word. And then they said to the woman, "Uh, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So that God appointment... Uh, And the Samaritan woman's life produced within itself revival and salvation for a whole village. And it also changed the direction of Jesus' life. Remember, he was just passing through, and he had just stopped for a drink of water at the well and to wait on food that the disciples were appropriating. And uh, then it says the village came out, and they asked him to stay, and he stayed for two days. How many of you know that our love and our passion and our desire for truth can change uh, what Jesus is doing? He was willing to stop for the hungry. Do you know that if you're hungry today, he's willing to stop for you? He's willing to set up a divine appointment for you that will meet every need you have according to his riches and glory and will intrinsically change your life forever and the life of those around you. Amen? Is that good stuff? That is good, isn't it? Well, I want to share with you another story. This is about a guy named Philip, and it's in Acts chapter 8. And uh, Philip had been a part of the early church. The early church was under great persecution, and the scriptures preceding this talk about a man named Paul 
who was persecuting the church and dragging people out of the church, killing them and keeping them from um, uh, fulfilling the call of God on their life because he thought they were a cult. Uh, They were heretics, and so Saul was busy persecuting the church. But that didn't stop the power of God or the move of God. How many of you know nothing stops the power of God and the move of God in his church? No persecution, no trouble, tribulation, or trial can ever um, stop the power of God in our lives unless we let it. And so Philip had been ministering, and so he was on his way down to do some more ministering. And he evidently was walking. Evidently, he was running in the Spirit. Now, I just want you to know that's the only way I ever run. (laughs) My daughter-in-law, Tiffany, I mean, she can just take off and run 26 miles. But for me, it has to be a run in the Spirit. Amen? (laughs) How many of you are with me? Yes, I've got the right crew today. (laughs) Uh, so Philip was uh, walking in the spirit, and the, it says an angel appeared unto him and said, Go near, um, go down, and go near to the chariot that you see in the distance. And so uh, Philip did that, and he went down, and he uh, caught up with the chariot, and the spirit of the Lord said, um, Ask him what he's doing. And so Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch, who was a member of the high council, and who was, um, had everything that he could ever need within the government of Ethiopia. He was a well-to-do man, well-respected. And so Philip said to him, what are you doing? And he said, well, I've just been reading in the book of Isaiah, and I don't really understand what I'm reading. And so Philip asked him, would you like for me to help you understand what you're reading? And he said, yes, I would like that very much. So I want to pick up in verse 35. And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. And so he was in the book of Isaiah, which is a beautiful prophetic book about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he preached Jesus to him. Now he went down the road and they came to some water and the the eunuch said, See, there is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And now when he came up out of the, of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So what a supernatural experience that was. Philip, in the power of the Spirit, even though things weren't going right in the church and there was much persecution, was out asking God and listening to God for divine appointments. So his divine appointment came that day with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he not only shared with him the interpretation of the scriptures in Isaiah, but he also led him into the water baptism, and then he was gone. His appointment was over. Um, I love these two scriptures, and I chose these two on purpose because, you see, the woman at the well was a down-and-outer. She was rejected. She had nothing. She was looking for love in all the wrong places. She was with the sixth guy trying to find love and trying to find acceptance. But the Ethiopian eunuch was an up-and-outer. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. Men, women, boys, girls, rich, poor, black, white, Jew, Gentile, everybody. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ knows no boundaries. And the power of the word of God works whether you're a down and outer or an up and outer. We all need Jesus. Amen? Y'all are doing good on your amens today. <laughs> Just saying, this is good. Uh, y'all aren't nearly as rowdy as the South Africans. I mean, they have church. <laughs> um, but this is great. I appreciate your encouragement. So I want to share with you now, how do you know if it's a devil appointment instead of a divine appointment? Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I know all of you would have to do it. We've all had appointments that didn't work out the way they should have worked out, nor did they glorify God, nor did they um, encourage or grow the kingdom of God. So how do we know if it's a devil appointment instead of a divine appointment? Well, one way is it will produce sin in your life. If you come into contact with someone and you might think it's a divine appointment, but I'm here to tell you this morning it's a devil appointment if it produces sin in your life. Divine appointments always further the kingdom of God. In Second Samuel chapter 11, we have the story of David. So David is out walking on his roof and he, uh, in the cool of the evening, and he looks over and he sees Bathsheba taking a bath in the distance. How many of you know that was not a God appointment? Did it bring sin in David's life? Did it bring sin in Bathsheba's life? Yes, it did. Were they forgiven and restored? Yes, they were. But what they had to go through was horrendous. The death of a child, the death of a husband, and uh, all kind of rejection and curse on their life because of the sin that they committed. So if you think you're in a divine appointment, but it is producing sin in your life, it is not a divine appointment, it is a devil appointment. I want to share another example with you. Um, A devil appointment will produce division and strife in your life. I want to tell you the story of Christy and Billy. And, of course, these are not the real names, but the story is accurate. And uh, Christy wanted to get married again. It had been a long time since she had been divorced. And she loved the Lord, and she wanted to get married again. And she wanted to the point of being obsessed with looking for God's mate for her. Her adult children, uh, you know, loved her, took care of her, but she had this thing that was missing in her life, and that was the fellowship and the marriage with a spouse. And so we talked often about that, and I encouraged her to wait patiently on the Lord that God would provide. So she, she called me one day, and she said, I want you to come marry me. And I said, what? Because I would not even heard there was anyone to marry. And she said, I'll fly you up. I'll pay you expenses. I want you to come perform my wedding. And I said, wait, wait, wait. Tell me what's going on. And she says, well, I was in Walmart one day. Big, big problem right there, huh? <laughs> I was in Walmart one day, and this lady that I didn't know walked up to me, and she said, uh, God just spoke to me and told me that he's going to send you your spouse quickly. And I said, okay. And she said, and then I went to church the next day, and in walked this new guy in church, and I looked at him, and I just felt like he was the one. And uh, so we met, and we started dating, and we've had about three dates, and I want to get married. 
And I said, no way, no way am I going to marry you in that short period of time based on the prophetic word you got at Walmart. (laughs) Now, I believe you can get anything at Walmart, but that's not really the best place to get your prophetic words. Uh, It's a great place to witness. (laughs) What did you say? Of a great value. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> cheaper is not always better, right? And so, um, she says, well, if you won't marry me, I'm getting married anyway. And I said, well, that's okay. You know, I love you. I said, what does your mom say about this? And she said, well, my mom said if I marry this man, she's going to disown me. She's going to cut me out of the will. And I said, so she doesn't like him or believe that he's God's choice for you? And she said, no. But my mom never has liked anything I've ever done. And I said, well, what do your children say? Your adult children, what do they think about all this? And she said, oh, they don't like it either. They're not going to come to the wedding. They said that if I get married, they're not coming to the wedding. They do not like this at all. And I said, well, Christy, I said, why are you doing something that your mom is so adamantly against and your children are so adamantly against and even your friend has said, I will not marry you? Why are you doing this? And she says, well, I just know it's God. It was just a divine appointment, and I just know it's God, and it's all going to work out, and everybody's going to be happy after I do it. And I said, well, uh, let me know how things go. But you're not going to fly me up to do your wedding, and and I won't be doing your wedding. And uh, because a devil appointment will produce division and strife in your life. It's not God. God is a God of peace. I think uh, Pastor Tiffany talked to you that last week. God is a God of peace. And uh, he is not the author of division and strife. If there's division and strife, the best thing you can do is wait and ask for God to clarify how he's leading you or what he's doing in your life. And so, of course, the story ended up in divorce, uh, ended up with separation between she and her mom, and ended up uh, not being uh, what she thought was a divine appointment. And I'm not bashing her, throwing her under the bus, because we've all been there, right? We've always attributed to God something that we wanted. We've all attributed to God something that we wanted in order to expedite our flesh and the things that we wanted. When it really was not God, but it was a temptation from the enemy to get us off track. So, um, I've given you two examples of divine appointments that were life-changing for the individual and also life-changing for for, uh, the, the body of Christ. And that's the way divine appointments work. Um, I want to give you now how to receive divine appointments. How do you receive a divine appointment? Uh, You ask in prayer, believing in God's love and in his adoption. And then two, you are led by the Holy Spirit, as in Romans 8, 14 through 17. And we'll read that in just a moment. But I'd like to ask... um, I'd like to ask Rosa to come help me with a demonstration for you. Rosa, I'm going to be God. Rosa, come on up. And Rosa is Miss Christian. (laughs) And I'm God. So, Rosa, um, do you know that Jesus died for your sins? My son gave his life for you. Yes, I do. Um, Have you received his forgiveness and his love? 
Okay, and you're going to live for him the rest of your life? Yes, ma'am. Oh, wow. How <laughs> awesome is that? Okay, well, you just have a seat right there in that chair. And uh, I'm so glad you're born again. I'm glad you got your fire insurance. We don't have to worry about hell. We can just count on heaven. And I'm God. I've got things to do. So I'm going to go on over here and do some things. And you just sit there. And I'll send my son to come get you someday. (laughs) Yeah, you're on your own. Uh, Try not to do anything wrong. Stay out of trouble, okay? And uh, you just sit there. If you... If you get lonely or if you feel alone or like you need help, just sing, uh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Because I'm coming, and like I said, you're born again, and you have your fire insurance, and you'll be okay. You'll be okay. You know, y'all are shaking your head, no, that's not the way it works. And yet so many times in our life, that's the way we live our Christian life. As if God is too busy to be a part of who we are. And yet the word says that when Jesus left, that God sent his Holy Spirit to be a comforter and to be a helper and to be an advocate and to teach us in truth. And that his Holy Spirit hovers over us to bless us and to be with us. And it's through walking in his spirit and being adopted. So you would never adopt a child and say, okay, I gave you life, I gave you a home, I'm giving you food. Now you just sit over there in the corner and grow up to the best of your ability. And I adopted you. I mean, I saved you and I adopted you. And so just do the best you can. We would never say that to our own children, would we? We would never do that. That would be cruel. And yet sometimes that's the way we think God treats us. But God says, I've given you my Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, to lead you and guide you and to teach you all things until I come again. And that's what adoption is. Adoption means that forever the Holy Spirit is there uh, teaching you and loving you And it means that God has set up in your life divine appointments. Can you give Rosa a hand? In Romans 8, 14 through 17, we have this scripture. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption whereby, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now that means joint heirs with Jesus Christ, what God the Father would do for Jesus Christ, he will do for you. Not because you deserve it, but because you're a joint heir in the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, became the firstborn of many brethren. The family of God expanded when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and became our advocate um, at the right hand of the Father. And so it says that when we are led by the Spirit of God, then we are the sons of God. And that we don't have to be afraid and that we can call out to Daddy anytime he wants what we want to or need to call out to him. And that the Spirit himself will bear witness with our spirit 
that we're not alone, but that we've been adopted into the kingdom of God. So it's out of this relationship with the Holy Spirit and with God the Father and God the Son that we can have divine appointments. But divine appointments are always that. They are divine appointments that set up a change in our life and the change of the life of the people that are around us. Amen? So um, would you like to have divine appointments that lead you into truth? I would. I would. Will you stand to your feet, please?